With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I found my way back to a higher ground. Yeah, I just want to feel alive. Welcome to Higher Ground with Julian King. Good evening, everyone. Jill's back with you on the high ground this Monday night. It's been a while since I've uh, flicked the microphone on for a Monday evening. Delighted to be back. Great to have your company wherever you're tuned in. SEN 1170 in Sydney, SEN Q693 in Brisbane, 1620 on the Gold Coast and via the SEN app. The open line number, should you like to join me, 1300 01 1170. And the text line, 0457 736 736. Joining me tonight, Lachlan McCurdy from Code Sports of the Weekend Wash-Up. He'll be up shortly. And Ian McCulloch from London will join me for his UK report. Look, we've got to start with the cricket last night, don't we? Did you watch it? I know it didn't feature Australia. Much better game, mind you. What an occasion. What an occasion. The noise, the colour, the excitement. And at the end of it, we just have to bow down and say the King retook his throne. Vert Coley. Unbeaten 83. India pulled off this, this miracle four-wicket win over Pakistan. Final over Thriller in that match in Melbourne. Thankfully, the weather gods were kind because it was looking a bit dire uh, if you tuned into the forecast on Friday. But not for the first time and probably not going to be the last time either. It was Vero to turn back the clock. There. 82 runs from 53 balls saved India. He came to the crease in the second over. Raul went for four. Now were Went for, what, three for 31, I think. Yeah, three for 31, yes, after the batting power play. But steady hand he was, kept his nerve. And just like he's done so many times, he, he guided India home. It was a crowd in excess of 90,000 at the MCG. And the players, they could barely hear each other talk. So they didn't really look in it for a long, long time, India. 31 needed from the last two overs. And Coley hit Harris Rafa, who's very familiar with the MCG having played with the Stars, hit him for two massive sixes on the final two deliveries of the penultimate over to make it 16 from the final six. <coughs> so at one stage, they were acquiring 41 of 18. Then Panji fell on the first delivery of the final over. Kohli put Mohamed Nawaz into the stands of this, well, controversial waist-high full toss to make it six required from the final three deliveries to pull off the unlikely win. Then Kylie was bold, but as a free hit because of a waist-high full toss. And because he was bold, scrambled three buys. Then they were in the box seat. Kartik stumped, and then Ravi Ashwin came to the crease to hit the winning runs from the final ball. I was watching this, and Noah's what a, a sec a wide on the second last delivery, which is just unforgivable given the match circumstances. But that no-ball call, it wasn't immediately called, and straight away after he hit it for six, Kylie turns to the umpire and said, "Hey, mate, you know." Uh, we've all been guilty of it, club cricketers. Uh, just glance to the square leg and say, what about that? A little high, maybe? Above the waist? But it was marginal. It was given. The three runs off the free hit. He was bold. It was a masterful performance with the blade. Performance with the blade by Verick Coley. Just the whole the whole day, the whole night. It was just a wild, thrilling affair. Befitting of these two great rivals. And the fans, the, the very noisy, 
and raucous and passionate fans and well-behaved fans, I might add, well, they were treated to one of the great T20 clashes. And what do you say about Verity? Still the king. Still the king. I do note, funnily enough, in the aftermath of that, given Australia's dire performance against New Zealand on Saturday, that uh, some have said Steve Smith could have done something similar for Australia if they picked him. Look, as much as as I admire SPD Smith, <coughs> I'm not convinced that he could play in innings of the calibre of Coley. You may think otherwise, 0457. 736-736 in the matches today and tonight. Bangladesh defeated Netherlands by nine runs. And this current match between Zimbabwe and South Africa, just hearing a replay at the moment. I'll just wait for the score to pop back up on the screen. And I'll bring that score to. In fact, no, you know what? I'll go one better. Uh, four for 35. Thank you, Creek Info. Four for 35, Zimbabwe and South Africa. Now, <coughs> to the Rugby League World Cup. And as Dan Walsh writes, it was after a week in which Samoan stars apologised to their country, uh, senior forward Junior Barlow and Josh Pabali say that the cutthroat conversations, apparently they had cutthroat conversations following a disastrous tournament opener, can be the waking of their World Cup campaign. So they went down to England, thumped by England, as you know. Well, they did demolish Minos Greece 72-4 to in the early hours of this morning, the biggest win in the nation's history. Has it erased the 66 thumping from England? Probably not. Probably not. And that would still hurt them, and it should hurt them. So the heavy first up loss prompted social media posts from players, including uh, Femani Brown and Josh Aloye, referencing, and I hope it pronounces correctly, Far Mangalonga, which is the Samoan act of seeking forgiveness with humility. So Junior Barlow had spoken of the cultural impact that Samoa's campaign can have after players were inundated with messages of support to counter fierce criticism of coach Matt Parrish and the team's commitment. He goes on about how much it means to wear the jersey. <coughs> you know, we're not just putting on the jersey representing ourselves, about representing the nation. Anyway, said all the right things. Uh, have they turned a corner? I mean, what do you draw out of a, a thumping of grease? A lot or a little? You know, people have written them off. You can't write them off. I mean, the team's far too good, certainly on paper. And that would have been a huge wake-up call for them. So I'll be curious to see how they go for the remainder of the tournament. That game against Tonga is going to be massive. Uh, Today, Lebanon defeated Ireland 34 points to 18. Tomorrow, speaking of Tonga, they take on Wales. And the following day, PNG clash with the Cook Islands. Still on some rugby league news, uh, the Roosters have announced the signing of Jake Turpin and Jackson Bolo while confirming Angus Crichton has extended his stay at the club. So that's good news for the Chookies. Crichton, who's over there at the moment in World Cup duties, resigned on a new two-year contract, which will take him through to at least the end of 2024, while Junior Paolo and Turpin, two years, one year respectively, will join the Tricolours in 2023. He's only 23. I said Junior Jackson, I should say. Uh, joined the Brewsters after three seasons at the Rabbitohs, which included 19 tries in 43 games. Now, <coughs> to the most contentious sports story of the week, and that's to do with Netball Australia and Hancock prospecting. And I was on air yesterday when the news came through that they'd withdrawn their funding or their sponsorship dollars, $15 million over four years it was. As Jessica Halloran writes in The Telegraph today that, well, Netball Australia is in financial peril, facing a potential $25 million sponsorship crisis after a player union revolt led to Hancock prospecting and walking away from the sport with the possibility that more key sponsors could follow. That'll be interesting. So we know that 
Lang Hancock's company, Hancock Prospecting, now run by Gina Reinhardt, mining billionaire, pulled its $15 million sponsorship on Saturday, and there are fears that it could balloon to greater financial loss for the sport, as current and future sponsors may be put off from backing netball due to the player's stance on issues. Do you believe that, though? I know it's been reported. <coughs> Do you believe that? One netball source. It could potentially turn into a $25 million problem in the near future. So Kelly Ryan, who's the chief executive of Netball Australia, confirmed to the Australian newspaper that the survival of the sport, which has been four mil in the red, was again on tenterhooks. They will now have to consider cost-cutting. And the players are wanting more money. And this was after, just back in June, the organisation was issued with a going concern notice from its auditors after it had lost 7.2 mil in the past couple of years. So financially, again, they're on the back foot. They're working their backside off to get themselves in a more stable position. And obviously the money from Hancock Prospecting was going to help and redress the imbalance that currently sits on their well, on their balance sheet and in their finances. But it's interesting. The thing about it is, right, and look, I'm not sold that further sponsors are going to walk away from the deal. And the reason I say that is because it wasn't a case of the players holding Hancock prospecting to ransom. In fact, Liz Watson, who's been sort of the unofficial spokesperson for this whole affair, has said repeatedly, you know, we welcome their sponsorship. You know, let's find a way forward. We thank Hancock prospecting for coming on board. Next thing you know, bang, gone, off the table. I must admit I was surprised at the rapidity of the withdrawal. And I've got to say from the outs- from an outsider's perspective, it looks like Hancock prospecting actually didn't care that much about the sport and thought, it's more trouble than it's worth. So they had some meetings, but from the playing group side, I would have thought, can we just wait till the Constellation Cup's over and then we can sort it out? Three options are believed to have been put forward at the meeting. That an apology be made or at least some distance been put between Lang Hancock's genocide comments and the values of the current leadership of Hancock prospecting led by Gina Reinhart. That a pause be put on all discussions until the current international series against New Zealand and England was complete. And that Donnell Wallum, First Nations player, be granted an exemption from wearing the logo for personal reasons. They were all rejected. They were all rejected. And that was it. Maybe they'd reach an impasse. I still think that they could have, result, could have found a resolution. But anyway, who knows? It's just disappointing. It's disappointing for everybody involved that it's come to this. People are getting nasty too in their commentary. Uh, well done to Max Verstappen. He won the Circuit of America's Grand Prix. A sad day out for Daniel Ricciardo, who's now counting down the days until, well, might possibly be his last F1 drive. We don't know. Stack of NFL, NBA action throughout the course of today. A-League through the weekend. Some NBL tonight as well. 0457 736 736. The text line number in the open line. one three hundred o one eleven seventy. Up and running a Monday night. This is High Ground. Uh, Lachlan McCurdy from Code Sports joins me every Monday at this time. I've got a frog in my throat. There's a little tickle in my throat. I keep coughing. Apologies, uh, listeners, but he's on the line right now for the weekend wash-up. G'day, Lockie. Hello, Jules. How are you? I'm okay. Uh, forgive me if I have to turn the mic on and off and coughing. I just can't get rid of this tickle, and I'm sort of spit, trying my best to spit my words <laughs> out. But 
Speaking of my words, let's drop an S and say my word. Uh, what a spectacle at the MCG last night. It, it was really just remarkable. I think there's so many words you can use to describe it, but just anyone who was there, anyone who was lucky enough to watch it on TV witnessed one of the great T20 matches and one of the great cricket matches, I think. Just, yeah, the fact that we, we got to see a, a match that was so in the contest, it wasn't one of those ones where it was... Oh, it wasn't high scoring. It was 190, 200 plus, but it was the sort of total where you thought, okay, this is competitive. It might not be enough. And four wickets down, it looks like India all over the shop. And then they come out and Virat Kohli and Hardik Pandya produce one of the great partnerships. And I think the the second last six that Kohli hit off Harris Ralph that went straight back over his head. Mm. I, I think oh, that's that straight drive six. Best. Incredible That's one of the shot. best shots I think oh. I've ever seen. It was... It's just a remarkable thing. It will go down in history as such. Yeah, that that was a remarkable shot too because it wasn't exactly in the slot, that ball, either. Like, he had to sort of make room and drive it on the up. So everything had to be executed perfectly to clear that that boundary, Mm. and he did it. And this is a thing. I mean, you never ride off a champion. It's the old adage in sport, isn't it? But what what I loved about this game, yes, the two greatest rivals, you could argue, in world sport, 90,000 screaming fans, a a global audience that's going to be well over 200 million, but... You know, the knock on T20 cricket is it's, you know, as fun as it is, it's it's fast food. You move on. You've forgotten about it two seconds later. But this had such context and such meaning, this game. It was a, a count as amongst the most, well, you could almost say, famous victories in, in white ball Indian cricket history. Without a doubt. Like you, Virat Kohli said after the match, he kind of just said, look, there was another match where he also got 82 off, I think, 53, 52 balls and that wasn't as good because of the context of this game, because of the yeah. moment. Not only was it a World Cup match, not only was it in front of 100,000 people, but it was against Pakistan, their, their biggest rivals, and the Coliseum-like atmosphere that was created last night. But you looked at the crowd, and it genuinely looked like a 50-50 split of fans, which I think yeah. was a fantastic thing to see. You saw people coming from not only just around Melbourne, but from around the country and around the world to come watch that game, and they would not have left, been left disappointed at all. Barbara's arm said afterwards, I think the pressure got a bit too much, you know, but and it's interesting because people are now drawing comparisons about Coley, you know, a great test player, and saying, well, would Australia have benefited from picking Steve Smith? And as much as I love Steve Smith, I, I can't see Smith playing in innings quite like that. Even though, yes, he can he can play a lot of balls, he doesn't quite have that explosiveness that, that Coley has no. when needed. Yeah, I definitely agree with that sentiment. I mean, there were a few calls after Australia's capitulation on Saturday night going, I imagine if we had Steve Smith there, he could have kind of been an anchor in the innings a little bit more. But he still... he if when well, he chasing 200, to Australia, though, that's Yeah, he would have needed 12, 13 and over. But that's not what Steve Smith's about. He's okay in a, in a chase yeah. for 140, 150 when you've lost in a couple of early wickets. But when you're chasing 200 and you've only got 30-odd after six, I mean, look, I, I'd never want to write off Steve Smith. He has always shown he can produce the remarkable, but I don't think he would, would have been Australia's best option had he had played. I, I think he could play a role in this tournament going forward if Australia kind of changed or, or want to change their team lineup. but I, I just don't see them doing that at the moment. Uh, just back to last night's game, wasn't it funny after Coley hits that second six and it was uh, blatantly adjudicated as a, a no ball because it was above waist high, but... You know, this is the master at play. It was vintage Virat, wasn't he? Just as soon as he mm. hit it, he turned to the umpire. Hey, whoa, whoa, want to check the height on that one? Now, they didn't call it straight away. And then eventually, obviously, he got the call and the free hit. And then 
bowled and then running a three and people confused. I thought it was dead ball. There's nothing in the laws that says it is a dead ball. And it's, mm. it's happened before, but it was just so chaotic. And then we had, I think, a wide on the second last ball and, you know, run outs in the last over. And it, it had everything you could possibly ask. Special shout out to Ravi Chandran Ashwin for having the guts to leave the second last ball of the match. Yeah, with yeah. two off two going. I could have had a swing in it and see what happens, but he just kind of backed himself. Went, no, it's going to it's going to be wide, and I can leave it. But yeah, it's just I feel for Mohammed Nawaz. I think that was really it was clear the pressure got the better of him. Like he kind of said what Barbara Azam said. I mean, the no ball is a dubious call, but. If you don't bowl it there, you don't give the umpire the decision to make. So, I yeah, it, it just looked like the pressure got the better of him. And I mean, you look at their bowling attack, Shaheen Shahar, Freedom, Nazim Shahar, Ralph Shadab Khan. Maybe you could argue it was a bit of mismanagement of the bowlers in terms of how different would it be if Shaheen had bowled one of the last overs or Nazim Shah. I think they had better death bowlers at their disposal, but they kind of just didn't use Nawaz enough in the middle overs. So... I feel like that's the big issue here, that they just didn't quite get that structure right. Because I don't think it was a bad over. I mean, he still got the, the wicket of Panji. He still mm. got sort of a couple of balls that didn't go through too many runs. But I just think you need him in the middle, get him out of the way, and then use Ralph, Shah, Shah, Freedy. They had better options there. Can the Aussies now win six in a row? There's talking about channeling 99, albeit the 50-over World Cup, where they dropped their first couple in, in the 92. They lost their opening game to... To New Zealand, we hear this term ambush, and they were ambushed. It wasn't even close in the mm. end. And, you know, they were dominant, so dominant in the power play too, where they just took down all the quicks. And Stoinis came on early. He was taken down as well. And you've got to take your hat off to Finn Allen. I mean, they lost, didn't they, the, the Kiwis in a, a warm-up game, for want of a better term, against the Aussies. They decided to, you know, Martin Guptill has been a mainstay at the top of the order. Uh, uh, you know, he, he was omitted and then for this next generation, and they thrashed the Aussies. They thrashed them all over the park. It was really interesting chatting to Finn Allen after the match. He kind of just said, his first World Cup match, his first T20 match in Australia, that there was a lot of talk before the game about the the record that um, the Kiwis hadn't won in Australia for a bit over 10 years. And he was like, well, I, I didn't really feel that because I haven't played here. I kind of could go out with that mindset of, let's just go for broke and see what happens. And... Obviously, he did that, and he and Devin Conway were fantastic at the top of the order and completely put the pressure on the Aussies. And like you were saying in Zabra Azam before, that the Aussies are undoubtedly feeling pressure going into this tournament. It's a home World Cup. They're the defending champions. And then there's also all the talk around the team at the moment in terms of selections and not winning. But you have to look at other results. That They could win every other game of their group and still go through to the semifinals. That is a realistic possibility. But it means you need results to go our way. So... You're probably looking at the England-New Zealand match as the key one now that we need to pick one of those teams and hope that they lose another one throughout the tournament. Yeah. And it is tough when you have to wait for other results now. It is out of their hands for the most part. Yes, well, Mitch Marsh said it's where we want to be. You know, probably puts them back on their toes. Andrew <laughs> McDonald suggested that, yeah, we do have the right team. We've just got beaten by a better side on the day. And, you know, the net run rate's taken a bit of a beating. So they've got some work to do, the Australians. And, you know, there's also, you know, some of the cynics would suggest that all this stuff with the Linter Energy maybe has been a distraction. I mean, I think that's an absolute nonsense, to be honest, mm. with their pros. But, you know, so I suppose somebody needs something to write about, don't they? Don't they? Anyway, uh, Rugby League, World Cup, uh, Samoa. Yeah, albeit mm. it was Greece. They got thumped by England, surprised everyone. Is it too soon to say that they're back? 
Or do you think they've been too decimated psychologically by that loss in the first round? I wouldn't say they were decimated psychologically, but I, the, the one thing I did like in that Greece game was the fact that they kind of came out and was like, okay, we know how we want to play our game. Let's just play it. Even if it's against a, a Greek side that don't have the biggest names in the world, that haven't played much rugby league in the last few years, but you saw Jerome Luay, I thought, was in particular very impressive in the, term, in the way that he stood up and was like, okay, I'm going to run this attack and create opportunities for those around him. And yeah, I... I still see them just a run below sort of, yeah, Australia, New Zealand and England. But I think without a doubt, they're the sort of side that if they can get some momentum going, it's that's what they need, that they need to kind of get a few performances on the board. And while they weren't great against England, they'll be better for the experience, I think. Yeah, I think so. Uh, you've got Cleary or DCE? Who's, shade, who's got their nose in front for the Australian, I won't say number seven shirt, but Australian halfback <laughs> position? Uh, I have to lean towards Nathan Cleary. I thought he looked great in that match against Scotland. He's been the form halfback in the competition for three, four years, and it's amazing. I think this is his really first time playing for Australia. So, yeah, I'm I'm leaning his way. And while DC, I think, especially at representative level for both Australia and Queensland, I don't think you could say put a foot wrong, but, yeah, I think you can't look past Nathan Cleary's form at the moment. He's the way you have to lean. Now, the biggest sports story of the week has been Hancock prospecting versus Mm. Netball Australia. I must admit I was surprised at how quickly Hancock took the deal off the table. You know, there's been a lot of misreporting on this front too, Lockie, about, you know, players holding the sponsors to ransom. They actually said, no, no, we welcome the sponsorship. Just a couple of things we want to talk about. And I'm I'm really surprised that they did. Not Well, not so much that they did, but they've done it so soon. And if you think about it, Netball WA, who said, well, hang on a minute, we've got nothing to do with this. All of a sudden, they're pulling the Royal Hill sponsorship as well. So it mm. almost looks like Hancock prospecting, a, almost doing this out of spite. And, it, and it's disappointing that there was a lot of calls for, uh, well, let's try and encourage Gina Reinhart to apologise because obviously it stems back to issues a few decades ago um, with her father and the company and things like that. And it felt like that would have been a really easy solution to a lot of this as well, because we do see Hancock prospecting involved in a lot of other sports, um, especially Olympic sports. Swimming is the one that comes to mind. They're a big partner there, but obviously we don't see a lot of Indigenous athletes in swimming and Donnell Mollum is one of the few Indigenous netballers we've had represent the diamond. So it's really important that we, amplify those voices in a sport where traditionally we haven't had many um, athletes for who are Indigenous. So I think it is really important we take this consideration in terms of why would she want to wear that name on her jersey. And it, it, I do find really interesting the different responses that we've seen to this debate and the Manly Seven debate. Obviously, there's a few nuances and differences within the, the debate, but at the end of the day, it comes down to players not wanting to wear a jersey because of their culture, because of their background. And the fact that we, we sort of we see some the same people who are supporting them not supporting Donnell's right to speak out um, is is really interesting I think and I, I hope that again it's the start of a discussion around really encouraging these athletes to feel like they can have a voice and not push them to the side just because there might be a vocal minority who kind of are, are trying to push them down but yeah I really hope that she's got a lot of people supporting her and by the looks of the the netball Australia player statement that she she has a lot of people in her corner, which I think is important oh without question you know and the one thing they've been pushing hard throughout this ordeal is is sisterhood you know how tight that mm. the players are and effectively you know this had nothing to do with with climate change in the end it was supporting their player in Danelle who has wholly legitimate 
concerns with wearing a Hancock prospecting logo, considering the comments by Gina Reinhardt's father. People say, yeah, 40 years ago, and I get that. She's not a dad. I get that. But she's trading off his name, trading off his company. And it's really... <clears throat> Pardon me. It's really... I, I wouldn't have thought that difficult to say... to to not meet that request to put a bit of distance between mm. those comments and her present-day operation. So you can point to all the charities you want to say, we'll do this, that, that's fine, but just say, look, you know, the, my father said this. You don't have to say sorry. Just say, look, my father said this 40 years ago. Uh, you know, I don't agree with it. It was an appalling thing to say. Or I don't know, words along those lines. And, you know, it could have mended a lot of ridges, I suspect. I think it's telling that they weren't prepared to, to do that. Yeah, I definitely agree. And I think obviously there's a lot of more, lot more issues at play here in terms of the communication between Netball Australia and the players and how this sponsorship came about and whether we sh- should have been more consultation. But I think you're right. It looks like there was an, an obvious path forward at least, whether it was going to solve everything, who knows. But there was a, a path forward where all parties could have come together and it, it feels like Gina Reinhardt hasn't taken that option at least at the moment. Anyway, they have to go back to the drawing board, Netball Australia, and hopefully, considering that their well, the sport is, is in dire financial trouble at the moment, that they can find somebody to, to fill the void. Mm. Uh, anyway, fingers crossed. Watch this space. Thank you, mate. Uh, what's happening in code sports this week? Um, plenty more content coming around the World Cup. I'll be at all the city matches where I've got some people uh, around the country covering those games as well, as well as um, keeping an eye on all the other sports that's happening, a bit of netball analysis, uh, WBBL and a few other bits and pieces as well. So plenty happening. Yeah. Oh, gee, I felt bad for the Sydney Thunder. They are looking pretty good before rain over in Perth. Yeah, I know. Yeah, against the Stars because they needed that to sort of kickstart this season after their good win over the Scorchers. But anyway, you can't control the weather, mate. It's one of the few things we can't still can't control <laughs> in this day and age as much as we like to. Thank you for your time as always, mate. We'll catch all your work in Code Sports. Catch you next time, Jules. There he is, Lockham McCurdy. 0457 736 736. Always very generous with his time. The open line number 1300 01170. We'll break him back. Yeah, hope your Monday night's going well. 0457 736 736. An update from the cricket. Now, Zimbabwe and South Africa. So Zimbabwe chose to bat after winning the toss. They're 5 for 79. So they're in a spot of bother at the moment. After nine overs, Zimbabwe 5 for 79. So he's taking the wickets here. For South Africa. So shared one to Parnell, couple of two Ngidi, and then one to Norche. The lightning quick Norche. He gets up regularly above 150. In the NBA today, it was the Warriors 135 over the Sacramento Kings. One, sorry, 130 over the Sacramento Kings, 125. The Lakers, they can't buy win at the moment. Apparently, the perimeter shooting the Lakers is down to some ridiculously low percentage, somewhere around 20%. They've gone down to the Portland Trailblazers, 106 to 104. Looking ahead, uh, tomorrow, Grizzlies and Nets and the Bulls and the Celtics. In fact, a couple more games today. Uh, OKC Thunder, Giddies Thunder went down to the Timberwolves, 116-106. to 106. And the Clippers have gone down to the Suns, 95. They scored the Suns, 112. To basketball action, closer to home. Early tonight, the Brisbane Bullets, far too good. They've thumped the Hawks, 82-58. to 58. It's a Warriors home game as well. Yesterday, we had Melbourne United. Going down to the Kings, 87-69. The break is too good for the Taipans, 68-64. And then the day before that, with the Jack Jumpers over the Wildcats and the Phoenix, one point over the Bullets. In the A-League yesterday, controversial. And uh, Alex Molchanov, who works with us here, he was out there and he said it was an awful refereeing. 
Adelaide United red carpet, two apiece it ended up, two apiece. Uh, Perth Glory have defeated Mariners, a pretty clunky Mariners as well, two goals to one. And in the NFL action today, the Dolphins, 16, defeated the Steelers, 10. The Chiefs, 44, have annihilated the 49ers, 23. The Jets, 16, over the Broncos, 9. The Commanders, 23 of the Packers. They are sputtering at the moment. Green Bay and Aaron Rodgers, 23-21. Charters went down to the Seahawks, 37-23. They are flying at the NFC East at the moment. Seattle, Raiders, 38 over the Texans as well. So up to date there with all the NFL results. Normally I do my UK report with Ian McCulloch after 11 o'clock Eastern time at 10 o'clock in Queensland. He's got a few things to do, so I'll catch up with Ian at about 10 minutes' time in the program. So apologies to listeners if I'm sort of jamming a few ad breaks together. I know it's infuriating to sit through the ad breaks, but we've got to, got to pay the bill somehow because I want to clear the decks. Uh, he'll have plenty to say about this weekend's round of Premier League action and, you know, who's the next coach or manager, as they say, whose head's on the chopping block. Just to wait and see, and I'll see the perspective too. I want to know too, for, I guess from a London angle, how the Rugby League World Cup's been received. We know it's popular in the north, but is it getting much traction in the media? I'm going to ask him that question. And also from afar, uh, are they getting behind the England cricket team who have now moved into favouritism with the bookies to win the T20 World Cup? 0457 736 736. Uh, Daniel, good afternoon or good evening. Force a habit, I'll be doing half hose for Jimmy on Wednesday. Good evening, Daniel. I uh, hope things are nice in Prairiewood this evening. I wonder how far you live from my mother-in-law, Daniel. She's a Prairiewood resident. Uh, to all these knockers and naysayers knocking International Rugby League, look beyond the blowout score lines. This Rugby League World Cup, more so this tournament than previous ones, is about establishing a long-term legacy for these minnow nations. It creates interest in each respective country, which has a multiplier effect in terms of support for Rugby League, and it helps grow and increase participation. It helps strengthen the domestic competition, which will eventually lead to Irish, Scottish, Greek, Jamaican-born players representing their nation and playing in the Super League in the NRL. Every journey starts with a single step. You've got to start somewhere. Outstanding text, Daniel. This is what I say. I mean, to say, oh, 60 nil, 70 nil, blow it. There's no way you develop them. The only way these minor nations get better is to continually play in the most prestigious tournaments against the best teams in the world. You draw parallels with cricket. How good was India when they started years ago? How good was Sri Lanka? They couldn't beat time with a stick. And now, I mean, India, the premier side in world cricket. Case in point, fund them, build them, improve the exposure, put them on the world stage, pit them against the best, against the Australians, against the New Zealands. It's the only way you get better. Otherwise, it's just going to be the same cycle of a handful of teams bashing up on associate and developing nations. But even look at the Pacific Nations as another example too. Thank you, Daniel. Always good to hear from you. 0457 736 736. Now, you've been hearing a lot of ads run through the station about the Golden Eagle, and if you are in Sydney, we've been doing a lot of prizes to give away. Well, in in, in Queensland as well, for that matter, but a couple of double passes we've been giving away uh, in the past few weeks on this station to the Golden Eagle. It's going to be run at Rose Hill on October 29, so on Saturday... But this is from the Sydney Morning Herald. In a sensational race week twist, the Golden Eagle will have an extra two runners after the field size has increased in a move that could have ramifications for whether Frankie Dettori's mount will qualify for the race. Now, I've got to back him in, Frankie Dettori, because he shares a birthday with my good self. I don't have anyone... I like Frankie Dettori's pretty cool. But I don't have someone sort of super awesome, like a Tiger Woods or something, or Muhammad Ali. 
So connections are notified on Monday that Saturday's $10 million race will be expanded from 18 to 20 runners. So looking like a 20-runner race. That is a lot of horses. A lot of horses. But if that is the case and we do see expansion, well, it could open the door for Dottori, who's a very popular jockey, Frankie Dottori, who's been booked to ride import a Wellwall, which has been straddling a fine line alongside a number of other borderline Golden Eagle hopefuls to be included in the original field of 18 runners. So the last two editions of the Golden Eagle, won by Colette and I'm Thunderstroke, that wonderful race in the Cox Plate, have been run with fields of 18. Rail and true position. Now, safety protocols determine a field of 20 can be run from the 1,500-metre start, so they'll have to change a few things if they do expand it to 20. But watch this space. We could have up to 20 horses running in the Golden Eagle. Now, the winner's connections are going to pocket 5.2 mil. Pretty decent coin. A million will be donated to various charities according to the finishing positions of the runner. So there you have it. There's a chance. There's a chance that the Golden Eagle will expand to a field of 20. Now, the $3 million Nature Strip stakes will be run as the main support act uh, with a $6 million Sydney Sprit Series bonus to be distributed after the race. Everest Flop Eduardo will pocket the 2.5 if he can avenge his poor last start effort and win the race named in offer honour of his great rival. So a bit of racing news on the program tonight. An update from the cricket, South Africa, zero or none for 23. The target is 80. So it's been a rain-affected affair, so the target is 80. South Africa and Zimbabwe. one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. That is the open line number. How are you doing this Monday evening? If you're driving home, you're a bit bored, feel free to give me a call. one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. Anything you want to talk about? Uh, you come down. You know, it's interesting. Mitchell Scott, who heads up our cricket production here at the network, uh, he was sitting behind Jared Waitley, Bratz and Duration, and Darren Berry in commentary. And, you know, uh, obviously been Melbourne folk. That would have been to plenty of sold-out events at the MCG, you think of Anzac Day, you think of finals and grand finals, but he said he, he'd never seen or heard an atmosphere like it. The noise was just deafening, just deafening. And and it was almost 50-50, split green and blue, the blue for the Indian fans and the green for the Pakistan fans, the great rivals. And as I've been mentioning, it pulls in global TV audiences of over 220 million. It's quite phenomenal as the rain's coming down pretty heavily once again there in Tasmania. Now for 24, South Australia, the target 80. 0457 736 736. We'll take another break on the other side of that. We'll cross to the old dart with Ian McCulloch and his UK report. Great to have your company. Great to be back in the chair on higher ground this Monday night after almost a one-month hiatus. I'll be back on deck on Wednesday. I'll do the double of filling in for Jimmy on afternoons and then again high ground Wednesday night. See Pat's been a see Pat's a DJ by trade, right? So he presses the button for me and just mix it up. Bit of clash. I think we need to start rotating, don't we, Pat? Some different sort of loosely themed London slash England songs. I don't know, or maybe something in honour of Liz Truss's illustrious reign as PM. Who will be next? I don't think it's going to be in McCulloch. Good evening, mate, or good afternoon to you. I wouldn't. I wouldn't take. Too many long odds on that, mate. It looks like anyone's get a chance to be prime minister. Oh at the my moment. goodness! Uh, what did somebody say? The ashes should be determined by uh, who goes through the most prime ministers in the sort of a, a five-year span or five or ten years span <laughs> between Australia and, and England, because your mob are catching up. At least Boris has said he's not going to throw his hat back in the ring. So there's always that to celebrate, I guess. Yeah. Yes, very much so. Mate, it's it's just crazy, wasn't it? It's just been a very strange thing going on over there. Hey, listen, before we get to to Premier League news, Rugby League World Cup, uh, it's 
Got a bit of traction down here. Um, obviously, the Australians' favourite to win New Zealand as well, uh, right up there nipping at their heels. H- how well has it been received over there? Um, I know it's more popular in the north, and I just wondered too if that that victory in the first round, 60 points to six over a, a highly talented Samoan side, might have just, just garnered a bit of interest there in the old dart. Yeah, it's getting a bit of interest. Um, I mean, you know, it's, it's on free-to-air TV on the BBC, which is a, you know, obviously huge. Um, I mean, they're still very much rugby league viewed as a, a sport that's played in the north, but the crowds, they, they've been getting pretty good up there, and uh, there are some matches being played in London. The Tottenham Stadium is going to be used, which uh, will be interesting to see what sort of crowd they get for that um, in, the, in the latter rounds. Um, but, yeah, Dom Young has relatively unknown over here. He didn't really have much of a career at Huddersfield before um, heading over to Australia to uh, to join the, the Knights. And um, yeah, he's got four tries in two matches and you know, he's getting a, a bit of traction. Um, I mean, there was um, certainly friends of mine were on various WhatsApp groups watching the Lebanon Island game yesterday um, uh, and didn't realise that most of the players playing for Lebanon were kind of NRL superstars. Mm, yeah, Mitchell Moses. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Adam Dewey didn't well, play. Well, but... become a rugby league country. But, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, Mitch Moses on one side and you had Luke Keary playing for Ireland. So there's some you know, top players playing in the tournament. So it, it is getting a, a good bit of traction. And then you, there's a match on tonight, um, Tonga against Wales. Mm. Uh, and uh, Casey Badger will be refereeing. She's the first woman to uh, Correct. ever referee a men's test. So, uh, you know, that's that's getting a, a fair bit of coverage in the papers over here. So, oh, yeah, right. I mean, considering it's very much the early stages of the competition, it, it, it is um, getting a good, bit of, a good bit of press, which is good to see because, you know, as we've discussed before, you know, the Premier League and you know, soccer over here really, really is king at this time of year. Mm. So, um, yeah, any, any coverage they can get is good. And it, all the papers have been sort of running stories from it, which is uh, good to see. Oh, it is good to see. Now, after Australia got thumped by New Zealand at the SCG on Saturday, uh, really England, thumped. oh my goodness, England then moved into to favourites to take out the T20 World Cup and then India oh, I don't know if you caught much of this uh, quite a stunning game of cricket 90,000 fans Incredible. I mean rivalry you know the, long live the king you know the king is not dead Virat Kohli it was a remarkable knock and, and given the context of it and this is I was saying earlier to, to Lachlan McCurdy this is the thing about T20 cricket you can enjoy it but you sort of forget about it a moment later but you know given the context of this game the tournament the rivalry the history and this will be remembered for quite a while yeah very much so I mean, you, you don't write off legends, and Coley's one of those in my lifetime. He's certainly one of the, the best I've seen, and his T20 form hasn't been crash hot the last couple of years. But you know, come with the hour, come with the man, and you know, in front of 90,000 people against your biggest rivals in a was that only 40, 48 of the last three, was it? And, uh, yes, 48 of 18. That's ball. right. Yeah, crazy, crazy, crazy. But it. You know, I'm a bit of a. I must admit, when T20 first came out, I was a bit sceptical about it. But um, it was actually the Big Bash when I was still living in Australia that kind mm. of um, sort of converted me. I really enjoy some of those matches, and you know, you got to take it for what it is. You know, Test cricket will always be king, but I mean, you know, I think cricket is better for you know what 2020 cricket now gives us. You see, Test match endings being played using T20 shots. You've never seen 20 years. Correct. Ago, so. Yeah. Um, but that's as good as anything I've seen. That was amazing. That 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 match. So, mm. Mm. You know, it's um, yeah, really, really, really good to see. And uh, yeah, it's World Cup crazy at the moment because we just obviously the, the football World Cup starts in 
it's about a month's time in the Cricket World Cup and the Rugby League World Cup. So. Yeah, the Women's Rugby um, World Cup of the world at, at the moment taking yeah, place in New Zealand. So there's, there's World Cups... Uh, 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 plenty, but yes, England. Uh, my man, Reese Topley. I love Reese Topley. Uh, he's unfortunately been ruled out of the tournament. I think I remarked yeah. years ago with the long hair and the headband, he looks like he's going to a seventies tennis player dress up party. But you know, Joss is in pretty yeah, good form. Ben Stokes was, yeah, yeah, Ben Stokes was quite critical about the um, the the boundary uh, phones, which caused the injury. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That made much much coverage over there because he was sort of saying that no. you know, they're too high and it shouldn't be happening and player safety etc cetera, etc. Cetera. So okay. yeah, he's a, he's a guy who's top as well. He's had so many injuries you can't feel anything but sympathy for him. It's uh, you know a real gut a real gut punch for a guy who's kind of had to fight back from his career sort of looking like it was over. And, mm. Yeah, very unfortunate. Yeah, but your batting looks very, very strong. Uh, you did enough just to beat Afghanistan, a game that didn't scale any great heights, but uh, I'm sure we'd be peaking at the right end of the tournament. Now, uh, to the Premier League action, uh, some really good games of footy, but you know, the most stunning result was Liverpool going down to Notts Forest, Ian. Absolutely, yeah. It's been a crazy week at the Premier League. I mean, it was matches, managers losing their jobs and... You know, oh, Stevie Gerrard, who just all of a sudden, yeah, yeah, don't don't bother showing yeah. up. It was all very abrupt. Yeah, like Forest, who you know looked like they couldn't beat an egg this season, and yeah. the games I've seen them, you know, turning over Liverpool. And um, yeah, I think you know there's the usual stuff. You start hearing, oh, oh Klopp's finished, and you know, it's nonsense. You know, Liverpool are in transition at the moment. They've got some good young players. Lots of conjecture. They should never have got rid of Mane, but you get offered. That money for a 31-year-old, you can't turn it down. Sure. They'll come again. It might not be this season, but you, know, you just need a year just to kind of rebuild them. And I mean, they'll still finish top four, Liverpool. They've got too many good players not to. Mm. Um, but Newcastle have sneaked into the top four now. They had a great win yesterday. Just quietly sort of moved up the table, Newcastle. Yeah. Um, beating Spurs, which is a, a really good win. And then Southampton holding Arsenal yesterday. And then I, I covered the, the Fulham... Villa game midweek when Steven Gerrard did his final press conference for as a Villa manager. It was quite a very, very swift four-minute press conference and he was taken outside and told he was losing his job, which is yeah. pretty ruthless, really. Um, yeah, it's horrible. You know, and, they, they, and then they beat Brentford 4-0 in the next game and he's probably sitting <laughs> thinking, you know. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's a, yeah, it's um, a strange that, world. You know, the, what, are the, so what was the old saying? There's only two types of coaches or managers, those sacked and those that are going to be sacked, you know. Yeah, that's right. That's it rings true. Uh, Erling Haaland, he just he scores goals in his sleep now. Another double Man City, 3-1 over Brighton. I know Arsenal still lead, but is is the the feeling that Man City going to get them and win the league again? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I just look, with Haaland, he just looks... I mean, he needs, I think, only six or seven more goals to beat the, 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 uh, the goal-scoring record from last season. This is incredible. Incredible. What a start. It's just, it's just, he looks... Only 13 games in. Like, how do, like 13 of 38. Yeah. And it's, you know, already that you know, yeah. reached three hat-tricks in, what, eight games. Yeah. And previous record was Michael and, Owen with 40-odd, I think. It was just it's stunning. Yeah. And to be fair to Brighton, actually, played, Brighton played quite well against Sydney. It was, yeah. it, you know, they lost 3-1, but it was, when it was 2-1. They were, they were pressing for an equaliser and... Yeah, De Bruyne. He's not. It's not Haaland. It's De Bruyne. You know, stick on him from sort of twenty-five meters, and I mean, they look. Yeah, I don't. See, I, I think they win the league by ten points. Mm. I mean, you know, Arsenal have done very well, but I don't think. I think top four is the best they can hope for. Really, I don't. I don't see them winning the league. 
personally. Well, well, speaking of top four, you got... Your boys, United, yeah, well, United are making a fist of it. Mate, I, I caught most of this game. Was a, I thought a really entertaining game of footy. They deserved at least a point. I thought they were the better side. But, yeah. you know, they're, they're, they're yeah. not the finished article, but they seem to be trending in the right direction. Uh, the quicker they can excise uh, Cristiano Ronaldo, I think the better. He, he's looking like a, a, almost a, a yeah. poisonous presence there. It's all about him, not about the club. As much as he wants to post on Instagram, United we stand, uh, you know, whose actions speak a different story. But, you know, this if you've got a midfielder, Bruno of, of Ericsson and Casemiro, you know, it, it's it's looking it's looking good. Yeah, they are. And I mean, Ronaldo, he, he's, he's come out this week looking a lot of praise, actually, uh, Ten Hag. He's reaction to what Ronaldo did. He hasn't yeah. thrown him under the bus. He's just quietly said, well, because Ronaldo refusing to come on as a sub in the, the last minute against Spurs in the week. And, you know, he just said he won't train with the first team and left it at that, really. But, yeah. you know, no man's bigger than the club. Um, yeah, and Ronaldo, he's in, in danger of tarnishing his legacy here, really. He just needs to kind of... But he's on, he's on an enormous contract and no one else is going to pay Well, no one wants him. You know, money. they don't want to pay the money. No one wants him, he's, I wonder too, Ian, if you know he he looks at Messi's great rival is still you know performing for PSG and playing Champions League, and I wonder how much that that grates on him. Yeah, well, I think there probably is that. But you know, Messi's pretty low profile, isn't he? He's quite, you know, he doesn't really court the publicity in the manner that Ronaldo does. True. Um, you know, Ronaldo is very much about him and what a, what a player he is. Let's not take away from him. he's been a you know a legendary footballer, but. Yeah, he. I mean, he needs really to go go off to America now, go and play the MLS and be a big star over there, and you know, get a last payday because I don't see anyone in the top clubs yeah. in Europe being able to a, afford him or be what he delivers. You know, what Ten Hag, how he wants to play, he doesn't fit in. No, he doesn't. I mean, he, you know, he didn't he... play him in the first game of the season, and he brought him in for the Brentford game, and they got beaten four 0 And he yeah, goes, right, okay, that's. He sort of stands and scores, but he doesn't press. He doesn't do much else anymore, and 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 yeah. is fit in the greater years. I mean, he's he's thirty seven, going on thirty eight. You know, he's not the Ronaldo of, of twenty, or uh, you know, and maybe it, he's got to go gracefully off into the sunset. Um, and as you said, mm-hmm. not further tarnish his legacy. All right, mate, we'll let you go. Thank you so much. Uh, comprehensive as always. Go Man United. Good luck to England in the World Cup. Not too much luck, mind you. <laughs> in either World Cup, doesn't matter. Let's just say World Cup. It'll tick off one of them. Thank you, mate. We'll speak soon. See you, mate. Bye now. There is Ian McCulloch. Always very generous with his time. 0457 736 736. Breaking back with you. Quentin de Kock is going ballistic in this game against Zimbabwe. Rain reduced a fair in Hobart. So the target now reduced to 64, thanks to Duckworth Lewis. Well, they're none for 45. Quentin de Kock, 42 off 15, actually faced... The entire first two overs, 42 off 13 it might have been, or 41 off 13, braining them. Temper Bavuma, two off two. So it's all one-way traffic. They're just appealing for an LBW. I thought it might have been sliding down leg. Wicked umpire's call. Call was not out, so he gets himself a life. But none for 45. They're making short work of the chase. Only need another another 20 runs to win. 0457 736 736. Uh, Mike on the text line. Good evening to you, Mike. Thank you for writing it. I've been thinking about the whole manly coaching issue. Tough on Des, no doubt. I actually think Seabold will go well at Manly. I say we forget about Seabs as time at the Broncos, and here's my reasoning. In their 36 years of existence, Broncos have white-outed every senior coach except Bennett. But even then, the, the management wanted to squeeze Bennett out, didn't they, Mike? Uh, think about it. Hanjack, Griffin, Seabold. Let's not kid ourselves. They bag Walters. Kevy recently crossed swords with the CEO, Iken, over assistant coach uh, Madison sacking. Seabold did a great job 
and lifting Souths out of the cellar, finishing third for that. He earned coach of the year. Broncos will probably wheelchair Bennett back in a couple of years at 80. I don't know about that. I'll take you born in Seabold. And look, you know, full disclosure, Anthony Seabold does work with us here at SEN. A regular spot with Maddie, and, and he does a lot of analytical work on our SEN league coverage. He's a smart man. And yeah, it was a troubled time at the Broncos. He would have learned from that. That's the other thing. He would have grown from that experience. Uh, probably didn't know what he's getting into, walking to the politics of a of a one-team town, and given their history and the extent of which the old boys have an input into the runnings at Red Hill, might. But he's a, an exceedingly smart coach. Spent some time at Manly. He knows the ins and outs. He will have to deal with the politics of Manly, which, if anything, is is more icky and sticky than what we saw at Brisbane. So that's going to be a challenge for Siebes. But in terms of pure coaching ability, unquestioned that he's a great coach. <coughs> and I'll give you another reason why. Eddie, C- Eddie Jones doesn't suffer fools gladly. He's not going to drag Seabold into his, his coaching crew if he doesn't think he has something to offer. So if he's getting the endorsement of Eddie Jones... That says to me that the bloke can coach. Thank you, Mike. Love it to hear from you. 0457 736 736. None for 48. We've got a free hit. What's he going to do with it? Quentin sprays a thick outside edge. Uh, it's going to go backward a point, but it's a soggy outfield. It'll slow up, so he won't get a boundary for it. Yeah, sorry. Just getting back to the Formula One that I mentioned overnight. And uh, we saw the footage of Daniel Ricciardo riding the horse. And Circuit of Americas is fast, but unfortunately, the McLaren's a, a real dog of a car. A real dog of a car. And even Lando Norris has been significantly quicker than Daniel for two years. Only just scraped into qualifying two. So Max Verstappen, well done to him. 13th win of the season now, Max. So with his 13th win of the season, he tied the Formula 1 record held by Schumacher in 04 and Vettel in 2013. So it has been utterly dominant. Utterly dominant. And Carlos Sainz was on pole, but he crashed out early. Crashed out early. So because of that, for the second time in as many races, by the way, it was on Charlotte Cleary's teammate to win the Grand Prix to stop Red Bull winning the, winning the Instructors' Championship. It was a great drive. He came from 12th because he took a grid penalty to take third, but the day belonged to Max Verstappen and his team. Celebrated a, a great weekend. Well, a bit of a bittersweet weekend as well, I should mention, because that follows the death of Red Bull founder Dietrich Matesic on Saturday. So now Lewis, just on Lewis... He has three races remaining, Lewis, to take his first win of the 2022 season. And he needs that because that would continue his streak of at least one race victory <coughs> in every Formula One season of his career. Quite remarkable. And Daniel Ricciardo, as I mentioned, Austin Nightmare continued to finish where he started, 16th on the grid. Very, very disappointing. None for 51. South Africa need to get 64, the Duckworth-Lewis target, and they're going to romp this in. I'll do it at absolute canter. We're better late than never. Pat's been champing at the bit to run me through the ringer, so let's do this. What the hell was that? Agree to disagree by the blue collars. Never heard of them. Sounds very blue collar. Fuck you and me. Mm. Uh, Because we lost our board in the month that we've been gone, so I put together all the... We lost our board? Yeah. How does that happen? You know who else lost their board? Uh, Jimmy Smith on Afternoons lost his board. How have we lost our high ground board? I worked with Jimmy on breakfast over summer, Mm. and if I lost that board, I don't think I'd still be here. Yeah. Anyway. Good man, Jimmy. Um, You're as big a cricket fan as I know. Right. There mustn't know many cricket fans, but yeah. Yeah, I love a cricket fan. Yeah, you're a big cricket fan. Um, I'd say this, that result last night was 
like a less just like it felt like the problem with cricket over the last ten years is there's too much of it and it just feels like you go over and look at old World Cup results, old anything results, you can't really remember it. I think that result last night was like a less disposable result than I can. Without sort of... question, agree, absolutely agree. And, and, yeah. and I made this point. Think about sport, right? Is that it needs it needs a context, it needs an end goal, it needs meaning. Yeah. So there's a lot of worthless bilateral matches that are just sort of tacked on the end of test series or whatever, or, you know, get some TV dollars, but don't remember that. Oh, we'll just play three games here right now. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And then what? And then what? So prior to the world cup, we went to India to play three games and yeah. Okay. They understand that the design there was to give both India and Australia to hit out to fine tune some of their combinations before Australia's title defense. But who's going to remember that? No one's going to remember that. No one cares particularly about that. Yeah. But this World Cup, 90,000 people, the greatest rivalry in world sport, probably. Yeah. And to win in that fashion with the King Coley being the star of the show, uh, it absolutely means so much to their fan base. So much to their fan base. Australia Because don't. in the context of a World Cup against the great rivals, right? It's not often these two teams meet. They don't play very often. And then to meet... On this stage, that's why it's remembered. Yeah. Australia done? No, they're not done. You can't say they're done. It's an uphill climb. They should account for a, a Sri Lanka. They play them tomorrow night over in Perth. So it's fortunate if you're over on the East Coast, it's a 10 o'clock start. You're going to watch through it at least 1 o'clock in the morning. Speaking of disposable, I remember standing here with Chris Warren last November mm. and we were working out the run rate Australia needed in the – Last World Cup to get out of the group stage. And then right. they ended up winning the whole thing. Yes. Yeah, well, they only lost one game. That's to England. They got thumped by England. They had yeah. a lucky win against Pakistan. Uh, but, and you need a bit of luck go your way, of course, especially in this abridged format of the game. Yeah. Now, I hard agree with Daniel from Prairie Wood. Yep. So I'm still, I'm the last person. I'm going to be the last person in the world watching league. I've watched every game of the World Cup. Have you watched every game? Yeah. Wow. So you got up in the early hours to watch. Oh, yeah. Sometimes the replays are are a bit tough. That's all right. You put it on in the morning when you're doing something else. Mm. I said to you when I saw you the, this evening that it's a luxury of being younger, single, <laughs> scarcely in <enjoyed. laughs> And a lot of time on your hands, yeah. you're telling me. Yep. Yeah. Um, th- so there's been floggings, right? Mm. But the way they've done the World Cup over the last two or three times, the sort of modern incarnation of it, is they'll separate Australia, New Zealand, England, and then they'll throw PNG in as a sort of exposure team. Mm. And the other teams tend to get separated, so you don't get the big floggings. And then a Tonga Samoa will emerge from the Minnow side, and that's the only crossover with Australia, England, New Zealand. Right. And so you get less floggings there. But really, in the end, who's going to care about... Wales playing Jamaica in a Minnows group when, you, even though it's harder to watch, it is better that they play New Zealand play Jamaica. They, they deserve a chance to play against the best players rather than be consigned to a rung below. Yeah. You know, if they get thumped, so be it. I mean, you try to tell some of the Scottish players that, oh, no, you'd rather not play Australia, even though Australia put 84 on. They'd love that opportunity. Because who is their highest profile? Probably you and Aiken, right? Yeah. Yeah. Kane Lynette got. Dream team, but yeah, 
Yeah, same thing. He's still running around. How old's Kane? Kane Lynn now? I reckon he was a teenager. He played the 2010 Grand Final. I was going to say, I reckon he was 19 then. And that was 12 years ago. Yeah. Um, And then so for every, like, you get the floggings, but then Lebanon are going to make it out of their group. Lebanon are improved, right? PNG is... This is because you allow some of the NRL players with heritage to play for these teams. PNG's an improved side. They're playing as good as... Like, they're playing top line. Like, they took Tonga all the way. It's 33, Kaylin. I said 31. Damn. Um... So it is the idea. I think it is worthwhile. And I just had a quick look over the rugby World Cup, mm. and they got they got blowouts as well. Of course they and do. That's I'm Australian to... blowouts against teams like USA, for example. Yeah. You know Namibia. You remember that game, 2003 World Cup. Matty Rogers scored like four tries. 142. Yeah, Adelaide Oval. You know, hello. Yeah. How do you, I watch the Australia Scotland? So that was 84. Yes. And I just think you can't. It's it, you can't score more points than that. How do you score 142? They do have five-point tries, granted. Yeah. You know, three-point penalty So what, goal. that's 15 tries, so that's an extra. It's, yeah. That's still only, that's a, that'd be a hundred and low hundreds. How do you score 140? Plus, you know, but you get to keep possession. That's the other thing Yeah. in rugby. You're going to assume you win every ruck. I mean, after five tackles, you're going to kick the ball away. So more time with the ball in hand. Yeah. Yeah. And Theoretically. Finally. Yep. You just called me about the London... Song we need to update yeah. it. No mention of you know listeners will appreciate the whole lot of love at the top of the show. Yeah, you don't hear any anywhere that anywhere else in SEN. That's a new one. Led Zeppelin. Yeah, should hear more of it. We had that at the top of the show. Mm. This could... has been ran. Sorry, I'm just going to jump in. This has been rained out. This game, unfortunately, between South Africa and Zimbabwe. I'll just try and see what's yeah. They're shaking hands anyway. They're absolutely bucketing down. So no result. Yep, no results in Zimbabwe and South Africa. In South Africa, we're in the box seat too. They didn't need a fourteen more runs. I'll have the I'll have a London song next week, a new one. Okay, we should probably just build that page again, shouldn't we? Because the yep. stuff will still be the system. You just got to rebuild the page. We'll just take Jimmy Smith's page. No, we can't. Have, that's James's page. <laughs> All right, thank you're on you. your show every other week. Well, I have been a lot because he was over in the UK yeah. and he's been covering for Vossi. Vossi can't make the breakfast show, but. Uh, I'm here, mate. I'm the I'm a perfect number fourteen. Ready to jump off the bench and fill any position like a yeah. Craig Wing in his prime. Thank you, buddy. Uh, Sid, before we get to the break, hi Jules. Uh, hello to you, my friend. Regarding the Manly situation, any word on where Des might go? No. Well, we've got to finalise what his payout's going to be first, and then I don't know what Des will do. There's always been talk that he'll eventually move into some kind of coaching director's role. Des Hasler, you'll put him on offer. I mean, he's, he's a giant of the game. Will he coach first grade again? I'd, if I'm a betting man, I'll say probably not. He'd probably go into more of a coaching director's role. But I don't know. I mean, I don't know. But at this stage, maybe I'll have a year off to relax. It's hard to say with Des. Thank you, Steve. Love to hear from you. Hope you're going well. I'll break him back with you. That is us done and dusted for a Monday night. Thank you, everybody, for your contribution to the program. Thank you to Lachlan McCurdy from Code Sports, to Ian McCulloch and to Pat on the buttons. I'll catch you filling in for Jimmy Smith on Wednesday, then back to do it all again, higher ground Wednesday night. Until then, stay safe. Bye-bye.